You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. I am Susie Hunt. Unfortunately, Maurice cannot join us today, but we do have two guests joining us. Hey, it's the Strasburg. Hello, it's me, Tegan. Welcome back, you two. Always a pleasure. Uh, <laughs> we're here talking about episode 146. We're continuing our big budget horror month with Sleepy Hollow from 1999. Uh, it's an hour and 45 minutes, directed by Tim Burton. This is surprisingly only the second Tim Burton movie we've had. Uh, but we would know him, obviously, from Beetlejuice, which we covered. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks, Ed Wood, Batman and Batman Returns. Bunch of good stuff. Um, less said about Planet of the Apes, the better. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this fine film. Uh, you know what, Tegan, we'll start with you as, as it's customary to start with our guests, but I'm curious to see what you thought of this film. All right. So as the little intro part was going with all the actors, that kind of had to keep up possibly like this person from this movie, <laughs> which is funny <laughs> to me because I like knew a lot of the cast in this. At one mm-hmm. point, I, all I could think was Dumbledore. <laughs> what are you doing here? Right. <laughs> So Jack Sparrow goes to the creepy town where Dumbledore, Mr. Dursley, um, Alfred, <laughs> and, and the Emperor. Yep. Yeah. And, and the dad from Beetlejuice, right? And the dad yep. from Beetlejuice are all just like, we have a problem <laughs> with Darth Maul. <laughs> Love it. And, um... And Count Dooku is like, yeah, you need to go over there and, and fix this before I shove before I shove lollipops, what we call cavities on sticks, down your throat, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now she's quoting Willy Wonka. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's deep, all I can think cuts. of. When, that's all I can think of whenever I see him. It's just Count Dooku and Willy's dad. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I know I kept trying to be like, no, it's creepy because he's Dracula. And she's like, no, no, it's creepy because it's Willy Wonka's dad. I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, these, these Gen Zers, I don't know. I also thought it was really cool that Wednesday Adams and Jack Sparrow, which is like, hey, we're going to be, we're going to love each other. And they're like, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> What's up, Susie? Josh, why have you not shown her the original Willy Wonka, which is truly terrifying? Oh, oh, I've yeah, seen we've, both. We've, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. I'm cultured. I'm cultured. <laughs> I actually like that one more. Yeah, but Griffin likes the Tim Burton uh, Willy Wonka one more. So that's the one that we've seen the most in like recent years. It's definitely more geared toward like little kids. But oh yeah, anyway, less less terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Josh, what what are you, what are your thoughts on this one? I gotta say, I liked it way better this time. Uh, so this is only the second time that I ever watched this movie. I watched it in the theater when it first came out in like what 1999, and mm-hmm. I remember I remember uh, that whole night. And I remember like again, even back then, even like pre Harry Potter, it's like okay, yeah, I really liked uh, the cast and everything. But 
I remember I was just so disappointed in the story. I thought the whole idea of Ichabod Crane as some kind of a detective was goofy and all of his weird like little optic inventions like just looked silly. And it was like I, Tim Burton was just giving into way too many of his like weird film fetishes with everything being so gray <laughs> and perfect and gothic and misty, you know. And I was mm. like, man, like it just I didn't think that they captured the feel of like the uh, the Disney uh, version, you know, but uh, the adventures of Ichabod, um, mm-hmm. which as a kid, I always used to really enjoy. So I was really bummed at the time and I never really wanted to explore the movie again, even though I'm a big fan of, you know, Johnny Depp and really everybody because the cast is just crazy. Uh, oh, yeah. But then, yeah, we watched it yesterday and I was like really getting into it. Like I was like, you know, really uh, invested in like the the mystery and the tension. And I thought all the characters were really cool. And I, I think I got it this time in a way that I didn't before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really liked it. Good times. Well, Susie, what are what are your thoughts on this? I have always loved this movie. I love Tim Burton. I love I love Johnny Depp. The whole, like, I love the nod to the, and we'll talk about it a little further along, the nod to the Disney adventures, the Ichabod Crane with the bridge and the burning jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. I love that. I love, like, it's kind of like a steampunk goth look that Johnny Depp has going on, like, with his gadgets. hmm And the end... Oh, chef's kiss. (laughs) Well, this was also kind of the start of that uh, steampunk look in film. Like there wasn't a lot of that particular look going on at the time. So I remember it being kind of new and everyone talking about like his weird goggles and all that. uh, At the end, the guy's just like, hello, pretty. Let's go to hell together. (laughs) (laughs) Christopher Walken is the head. Off to fairyland. (laughs) <laughs> also, I have shit to say about the skull when we get to that part. Alrighty. I always have shit to say. You guys know that by now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool looking skull, though. Anyway, oh. what, about, what about you, Mike? What do you think about this movie? This, Has anyone ever yeah, asked Mike, you how you, you were think? doing? No, no, no one really does. Um, no, this is this is one of my absolute favorite Tim Burton movies. Um, it's honestly one of my favorite horror movies of the 90s. I, I adore this film. Um, for years, it was a staple for me. Like every fall, every Halloween season, I would watch this movie. Now, for the last like five or six years, I haven't watched it. Um, just distracted by other stuff. But so rewatching it now, like it's been a couple of years for me, but all of that nostalgic love came flooding back as soon as I started it. Everything from the look of it to the soundtrack. The actors, as you said, the cast is amazing in this. Um, it's just, it's a fun ride. It's a, it, it feels like a fairy tale for adults. Like it, that's, yeah. it has that vibe to it. Like it, it feels, yeah, like a, like a bedtime story for grownups, you know, it's like, <laughs> there's just something that I, I can't get enough of about this film before recording. I watched it like three different times. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's cause it is, it is on Hulu. If you have the, uh, I think it's the showtime add on or whatever. So I was like, I, I just kept watching it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> screw it. I can watch it again. But yeah, I, I absolutely adore this film. Um, I wish that Tim Burton made more movies like this 
because I feel like you said, Josh, he gave in a little too much to his his weird uh, film fancies with mm-hmm. movies going forward after this. Not to say that I haven't liked his film since. I mean, I loved Big Fish. I love Sweeney Todd. Um, there's a lot of great films that he's done since. But then you have stuff like the Alice in Wonderland films. And I was like, eh. <laughs> you know? yeah, not too crazy I, about those. I would go so far as to say that this is on par with Sweeney Todd. Like that gray, yeah. black. Like those are, I mean, let's face it, Edward Scissorhands, and I'm sure Jess will agree with me. That yeah. That's an amazing movie. And I think that on par with that is this movie. Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah. Bur- Burton has a very distinct style when mm. he's, when he's telling, uh, when he's telling a, like, I don't, I don't want to call it horror. Cause it's not quite horror. It has horror elements. It's got a, a darker. Yeah. It, it's, he's got his foot in the horror sandbox, but he's not fully playing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For it's sure. a darker story. Well, right. it's kind of like the mummy. You guys did the mummy in the last episode, right? And it's kind right. of the same way where it's like the mummy's not really a horror movie, but it has so many horror elements that it's like, hey, it can it can join the party, you know? Right. Yeah. It's 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 in the sandbox. It's adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> it's over on the swing set next to the sandbox. Yeah, it gets, we'll it gets a bucket and a shovel. That's about it. Yeah. It gets the bucket exactly. and the shovel, and none of the other tools. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's get let's get into the cast here. Uh, we've discussed this multiple times, but Johnny Depp plays Ichabod Crane. Uh, we would know him from A Nightmare on Elm Street, Cry Baby, 21 Jump Street. I really don't need to list off his films. But one I do want to get on here that he's in is The Astronaut's Wife. If you guys have not seen that, it's fantastic sci-fi horror film. Um, and he's freaking scary in it. <laughs> so really good movie. And, of course, Tusk. I would love to get that on here. <laughs> um, Wait, Johnny Depp is in Tusk? I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's in Tusk and Yoga Hosers. I remember Yoga Hosers, but not Tusk. Yeah, he's the detective. <gasps> <laughs> well, smack my ass and call me George. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, uh, and he's, he's fantastic in both. He's hilarious. And then we have uh, Katrina Van Tassel, played by Christina Ricci. Uh, we would know from the Addams Family movies, Casper, Buffalo 66, Monster, that horrible, horrible werewolf movie, Cursed. Um, and the Lizzie Borden Chronicles. Uh, then we have Lady Von Tessel, also the crone, played by Miranda Richardson. We would know from The Crying Game, Carter, The Phantom of the Opera, uh, Harry Potter. Well, a few of the Harry Potter movies. She played, um, uh, Rena, or was it Rita Skeeter? Yeah, Rita Skeeter. Yeah. And then she was also an annoying you know, news lady. God, yes. I hated her. <laughs> yes. I was like, shut oh. up. <laughs> oh, she, uh, she was what? She's super annoying, but it, still not to the, to the uh, degree of Professor Umbridge, who is seriously the worst Harry Potter character ever created. Ooh, I wanted Ooh. to smack her so bad. <laughs> I was me like, give me, a, give me a reason. I'm going to come through that screen. Every time I see a picture up, I'm like, oh, screw you, lady. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, then we have, my, I love saying this name, but Baltus Van Tassel. I don't know why, but it's so much fun to say Baltus Van Tassel. Because <laughs> oh, it says ball, ball. <laughs> Baltus Van Tessel. It's just fun to say. Baltus. Uh, it's like your Baltus are very big. <laughs> excuse me, but your Baltus is showing. Um, <laughs> but he was played by Michael Gambone, who we would obviously know from the Harry Potter films. Great Professor Dumbledore. He was also in the the Storyteller, the old Jim Henson show. 
is in Layer Cake, um, The Book of Eli, and Doctor Who. I love The Book of Eli. If you guys haven't checked that out, great film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really like him in Layer Cake, too. Yeah, that was really good. Um, which, uh, what, it was one of the James Bonds was in that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the, uh, what's his face? The newer, the, the newer the, one. The blonde the, guy. Uh, yeah, Daniel the Craig. Guy. That's his name, yeah. The guy like, can... that, that other guy. <laughs> no, you know what's silly? I was... <laughs> I almost said, I was like, you know, he's that one guy that has that, like, uh, cameo in The Force Awakens where he doesn't take his helmet off. Like, that, that James Bond. Like, <laughs> that, that was the go-to. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't think of his name, but I know that. <laughs> right. Uh, then we have uh, Brom Van Brunt, played by Casper Van Dien, uh, who we would know from the Starship Troopers movies. Well, at least one and three. Um, Mortal Kombat Legacy, Alita Battle Angel, um, which is one of those movies Maurice dragged me to, and I'm glad he did because it was really good. Um, Beverly Hills 90210, and of course, Beastmaster 3, The Eye of Braxis. We can't forget that one. <laughs> and he's a real fucking bitch. Oh, yeah, he's he's a total dick in this movie. Oh, no, we put a quarter in the swear jar. That's, that was a lie. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'll then, Tegan, I'll Venmo your dad 25 cents. <laughs> that, that'll cover the cost of the transfer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, and not to derail the whole episode while we are still on the cast, but man, I don't think Casper Van Dien is like really used in this movie very well. Like he plays, you know, the character he plays is, is has a large role in the Disney version, but he doesn't really do much in this movie. I was surprised no. to see that yeah. when I, you know, after having not seen it for such a long time, I was expecting him, you know, to be more of an antagonist. But he, oh, he's yeah. really he's only in like two scenes. Guy. Yeah, he's that yeah. jealous guy. I'm, whenever he was attacking the horseman, I'm just like, shut up. He's trying to spare you. Leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he, the horseman's like, I gave you a boop. Leave me the hell alone. I'm trying to do my job, man. I gave you a boop. to do my job, and you're trying to stab me through the stomach. <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't used very well in this film. And, <laughs> and the sad thing is, he's one of those actors that he was only a leading man a few times. But he's a really good actor. He's just not in a lot of great films. See, right. he should have been. A, he should. He should be in that. Uh, in that fake movie that you and I come up with, Mike. But anyway, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but then we have Young Masbeth, played by Mark Pickering. Uh, we know from Cashback, Boardwalk Empire, and Borgia. Uh, by the way, Cashback is a really weird but good indie film. If you guys haven't seen it, um, it's about like being able to stop time. It's really cool. Hmm. Um. The Hessian Horseman was played by Christopher Walken. We know him from The Sentinel, The Dead Zone, Batman Returns, True Romance, Wayne's World, Pulp Fiction, The Prophecy Films, and Blast from the Past, which is such a funny movie. Um, <laughs> oh, then he we... played his dad. Yep. <laughs> he was he was great. Uh, but then we have The Headless Horseman, played by Ray Park. Uh, obviously, we would know as Darth Maul in uh, Star Wars Phantom Menace. But he was also Toad in the X-Men movies. Um, he was he was Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe films. He was in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Again, the less said about that, the better. Um, and in Fanboys. <laughs> so he's he's interesting because like he's one of those guys that did a crap load of stunt work and very rarely had like a lead role. But when he did have a lead role, he was in really good films. So yeah. 
And he's hard to have, hardly ever shown his face. Like you mentioned, like Darth Maul with like the makeup and then snake mm-hmm. eyes and the headless horseman. It's like, you know, I wonder if he ever gets recognized in public because you so rarely see what he actually looks like on film. Yeah, I think like Toad and Fanboys are the only two that like you actually see the dude's face. And even with Toad, he's got, you know, face paint all over him. So, but yeah, he's a damn good martial artist. But then yeah, Darth Maul ordered uh, two drumsticks from KSC. He they did he just didn't specify which kind of drumsticks. <laughs> 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 he didn't specify from a chicken or from himself. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a low blow. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but then uh, also we have uh, just a couple other actors in here as Christopher Lee. Jeffrey Jones, Richard Griffiths, who we would know as Vernon Dursley, uh, or Dursley, can't sp- can't say, ugh, can't speak today, Jesus. Then <laughs> Ian McDermott, uh, obviously we know as Emperor Palpatine, and Michael Goff as uh, he was Alfred in the Batman film, in the first two Batman films. Yeah, and or, I pointed out I first pointed four out Batman did, films. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry to talk over you. Yeah, I pointed out too to Tegan that uh, you know Lisa Marie was like, oh, she's that the gum chewing alien from Mars Attacks. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and like. Even in this movie, I'm like, wow, she's really graceful with whatever she does. <laughs> because right. in the Mars Attacks movie, she was moving like um, almost like the best way I can describe it is like an eel. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yes. And she yes. did that in this Three. movie, too. Very like slippery and like, woo, in the way she moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I mean, was the... pre Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. Uh, yeah, because wasn't Tim Burton with her for a while? Yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. when they broke up, he got together with Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Lisa Marie was in a bunch of his movies, and then she wasn't, and then here comes Helena Bonham Carter, <laughs> and now she's in all of his movies instead. <laughs> yeah. And yep. will continue to be, because I think they're still together. I I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, just when I try to, wait, try to stay away from celebrity relationships, because yeah. one time I was like, wait... Went like aren't Kanye and that other lady together still? And like a few, and like the people I were talking to like got visibly angry at me. And they're like, no, I'm just like, okay, geez, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't pay much attention to that either. Don't worry, guys, I'm consulting the bones. <laughs> well, for anyone who hasn't seen this, uh, this version of Sleepy Hollow uh, sees Ichabod Crane is sent to the small town of Sleepy Hollow to investigate and solve the mystery of three murders by decapitation. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, he's he's a detective in this one, or a constable. Yeah. Um, and not and? been with Tim Burton since 2014. Oh, wow. Uh, well, so it's been mm. a while. Yeah. So yeah. let's see who he's fucking now. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he has no one. <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say Mike too. Like, yeah, right off the bat too. Like, you know, we get to see Martin Landau in a really cool little cameo because that that yeah. whole uh, that decapitation scene of like him and like the uh, the horse drawn carriage that was a really really cool introduction. It was super creepy. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Like the the way this film opens, uh, we we open up with um, Peter von Garrett, who is uh, um, Martin Landau, basically writing his will, having it witnessed, and leaving his home only to be hunted down on the road. 
by the headless horseman. Um, so he gets him and his son both get decapitated. And it's a great opening, but I love the, the fact that we see the pumpkin king from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that that, um, <laughs> that intro gave me Nightmare Before Christmas vibes for like the little oh. scarecrow, and I'm just like, it's it, it's the scarecrow. He's referencing it totally his was. other movies. It was the live action scarecrow. I loved it. <laughs> but so he gets he gets murdered. Great opening sequence. Uh, and then we cut to New York City, uh, 1799, where we meet Constable Crane, who's discovered a corpse in the river. Um, and then we, As we one go does. To, right. We go to the police station and we see them like he's arguing that they need to study the body and find out the cause of death. And the high constable is basically saying, when you find the body in the river, the cause of death is drowning. And uh, Ichabod's arguing basically for forensics. And he says, we're not heathens. You're not going to cut up the body. Right as two other cops bring in some guy that they beat the crap out of for stealing something. And he's like, oh, good work. It's like, oh, you're not heathens, but you're beating the shit out of people. What did he steal? A crumb? You yeah, something like that. <laughs> like, Jesus. Is this Clay Mez? And then, they throw, him in a, and then they throw him in the pit. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just there's open like, the cage in the floor and huck him in. <laughs> there's like, sir, this guy stole a crumb of bread. <laughs> And we beat the crap out of him before it. And the guy's like, good work. Throw him in the pit. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeet. So now we, we cut to the court scene where we see Ichabod arguing with the judge and the high constable about how their methods are outdated and barbaric, that science and brains need to be used in order to find justice. So once again, basically arguing his case for forensics. The judge has clearly had enough of this song and dance and tells Ichabod that he has two choices. Either he can he can put him in a jail cell or he can send him off to the town of Sleepy Hollow, where there's been three decapitations in a fortnight, and he can go and use his weird experiments there and find the killer. So Ichabod packs up his things, frees his pet cardinal, and heads off to Sleepy Hollow. Now, while the credits are rolling and we see him traveling, we get a look over all of his various weird tools that he's made, <laughs> which I don't understand the purpose of some of these. It's like like scissors on a pole with a magnifying glass. It's really weird. Yeah, that weird hunk of metal that was like a whole bunch of like gears. I'm like, what the hell? What are you gonna use? Like, what the what? Are you just gonna shove that up someone's butt? And be like, yep. Yeah, what this is this how they died? <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> turn him into a muppet. <laughs> yeah, I love the it. singer about the mood and the tuna and the springer. I love the singer. <laughs> Were you gonna oh, yeah. say Josh? I was going to say, yeah, no, but that's a good example of, like, why the movie annoyed me when I saw it years ago. Because it's just right. like, what is all this useless crap? It was like, what's the point? It's not even, like, used that really often or crucially in the story. Like, I get that they're trying to show that he's, like, a man of science. But it doesn't help when they make this weird, like, steampunk sci-fi crap. Like, if it was realistic, and I would would have bought more of okay so this is a man of science like living in like a supernatural world and it would have been a better like uh, juxtaposition or contrast between you know like science and you know like witchcraft or whatever but to have him have all these like weird like binoculars and like you know (laughs) weird crazy scissors and stuff and it's like you know there it's hard to ground the character who's supposed to be the most reasonable like it's hard to ground him in like reality but whatever like i said this time this time i just had fun with it (laughs) and and that's that's a really good point though because that's kind of what they were trying to get at with this character is that it's the man of science who is forced to accept that there are things beyond scientific grasp. You know, it's basically he's he's forced to accept that there is supernatural stuff out there. Um, so, I mean, it was, it's an interesting concept, but yeah, I mean, 
his version of science is a little more science fiction. <laughs> so, um, but we also see while in, in the stagecoach scene, we see the scars on his hands, uh, which will come up later. But they're a bunch of symmetrical pinpricks covering his palms. Tribophobia warning. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> if, one of, so, if any of my friends and I watch that, one of them does have tribophobia. I would not tell them on purpose. <laughs> they're just like, they're just like, oh God, at the hands. I'm just like, <laughs> See, now, now you're going to make me think of other movies that have that and start texting you a list. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, ooh, show them this one. <laughs> but, so Ichabod arrives to the town of Sleepy Hollow where everyone seems a little on edge. Uh, he makes his way to the house of Baltus Van Tessel where there's a party happening. Now we see several things happen. This is here. so funny. There, well, there's on the porch, we see the doctor, who we'll come to know later, making out with somebody on the porch. Um, then we get he goes inside and they're playing this game, The Pickety Witch, where uh, Katrina Van Tassel is blindfolded in the middle of a circle of people saying who has a kiss for the Pickety Witch. And they're kind of circling her and she has to grab somebody, guess who it is. And, it, and I don't know if she gets it correct. They don't get a kiss or whatever. I'm not sure. But she ends up grabbing Ichabod Crane guesses the wrong person, and then she gives him a kiss, which pisses off Brom the dick. Because <laughs> he gets really angry with him. <laughs> and uh, so then... Dude, it's just, a, it's just a kiss on the cheek. It's not like they were smacking lips or something. Right, he was all ready to fight him. He's like, we don't know your name, friend. <laughs> He's like, I haven't given it. He's like, you need manners. It goes to hit him. <laughs> I mean, she is willing to kiss any guy, so let her right? be her. And, and he didn't have a problem with it before. <laughs> <laughs> but so they, you know, we, we get the introduction of Baltus Van Tassel and Lady Van Tassel. Ichabod introduces himself, you know, that he's the constable from New York sent to solve the murders. So he insisted they, that he stays with them as the townsfolk watch nervously. So now we cut to a meeting with Baltus, Ichabod, and several other important men from the town. So we have the Reverend. We have the magistrate, uh, the notary, and who am I forgetting? Oh, the doctor. So yep. we we find out here that the names of the three persons murdered. This is such a like this is a great parlor scene. This is how you do a parlor scene right. Um, we find out that it was Peter Van Garrett, his son Dirk Van Garrett, and the widow Winship. Uh, we find out that the heads of the victims were never found; they were taken. And now this is where uh, Ichabod is told the tale of the horseman. So they explain uh, what they believe is the cause of all this, and we get the flashback. So we find out that the horseman was a Hessian mercenary sent to America by German princes to keep uh, the Americans under the yoke of England. But unlike the other mercenaries who came for their love of money, the horseman came for his love of carnage, and we see him just slaughtering people. They explain how he filed his teeth to points to look more ferocious, and how he would ride his horse Daredevil into battle at full gallop, lopping off heads of soldiers. And, I mean, it's pretty cool seeing Christopher Walken with, like, this mouthful of pointy teeth just hacking heads off of people. I cannot <laughs> imagine how much, that, how much that hurt, though, to right? shave their teeth down. Because nowadays we have, like, anesthesia. I can't talk. You know what I mean? The stuff anesthesia. that makes you go cuckoo bananas. Yes, that one. Where you can file it down. Oh, that's going to be fine. But this is, like... This is like in the um, 1700s where yep. they don't have that. Everyone's teeth is crap. So he's mm -hmm. going to do that. He's going to be like, oh, God, the entire time. 
and even even like in other films where they talk about filing down your teeth like the idea of like taking a file to my tooth just it sends shivers down my spine it's horrifying also (laughs) like every time i see movies where they like kiss and stuff and it's like back before like toothbrushing was a common thing it was like <laughs> Ugh. you know how oh. gross i know right one of how my gross were your teeth one of my most oh. loathed tv tropes is the the somebody vomits at some point and then there's a sex scene or a makeout scene with them later and i'm like you didn't brush them teeth you got puke mouth. Like, and it and you didn't like chew gum out. either to make it better. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. For me, for me, it's like the, you know, wake up in the morning next to your loved ah. one. And the first thing oh. you do is start kissing and making out like, Oh, you stay at the night. It's like, Oh, gross. You, you know, like, <laughs> get out of bed, brush your teeth first. Yeah. It's not like a sewer. That's the, uh, the What's old, worse. I, I want to pose a question to us and the listeners. What's worse? Mud butt. Or morning, morning teeth. I'm gonna go with mud butt just because you you still got poo particles up on you. That's not okay. Yep. <laughs> I I don't know what that is, but I'm just gonna say the morning breath. <laughs> <laughs> mud mud butt is when we see and this we'll see this and we saw this in Psycho Gorman and a couple of the Friday the Thirteenth movies where someone is pooping and then they pull up their pants without wiping. Oh no! And you're and you're like oh oh no they got mud butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Mm. <laughs> I'm still gonna say the the teeth though, because that's that's basically how you spread the diseases. Right. I believe we mentioned them this- damn enchiladas. <laughs> oh, God. oh I, I love that movie. But uh, but uh, we mentioned this on the Children of the Corn episode in the opening, where Linda Hamilton's character just starts. I forget the the lead man's ro- or lead uh, actor's name in that. But she starts making out with him like as soon as he wakes up, and I'm like, ah, dude, you got, you know, he's got stank ass morning breath every time. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I just rewatched Groundhog Day the other day because I watch it pretty much every month. <laughs> yeah, and it's like <laughs> it's this great movie. It's so perfect. There's like there's nothing to complain about. And then at the very end, when you know the curse is finally broken, and you know there's like Annie McDowell, and then they just and she's like, oh, give me a kiss, like you know, and like you're real, you're still here, and you know Bill Murray's all excited. And it's like, wait a second, like that's how you're gonna start the the, the new day you've been waiting like ten thousand years for, <laughs> or however long you've been stuck in this time loop, and then you're gonna get like a morning breath kiss. Gross. At least do it like on the <laughs> cheek or something, because that way right. that that way it's not like in your mouth. <laughs> that way you don't taste the funk. <laughs> the ten thousand year funk. <laughs> the funk of ten thousand years. <laughs> nice. But um, all right. So, so yeah, we we find out that the Hessian was hunted down and killed in the western woods near the town. We see this whole sequence where his horse gets shot. He gets up off his horse and starts running into the woods. And there's these two little twins that he runs across. He tells them to shush. And then one of them snaps a twig, alerting the soldiers who hunt him down, murder him and behead him with his own sword. They then bury I him. I call them the twigs. The, the twigs? <laughs> Instead <laughs> of someone, twins, the twigs. Yeah. Finally, someone in these movies has some sense. If, so, if some madman with pointy teeth comes up to you and is like, shush. Break that stick, man. <laughs> exactly. <that> stick. <laughs> get help. But so they they show him get buried, you know, head chopped off. 
And uh, they end the story by saying, to this day, the Western woods is a place that men fear to go. So we see Ichabod for the, the first of many times we see him very frightened. He's like shaking his little teacup. Even though he's terrified by the tale, he insists that the murderer is a man of flesh and blood and not some ghost, and he intends to catch him. That night, we see a guard watching the tree line just outside town. We see these smoke tendrils come out of the darkness and extinguish the torches lining the perimeter. And I have to say this. I mentioned this on The Mummy. The CGI in The Mummy for 1999 was awful. The little tiny bits of CGI that we get in this movie, they they hold up. Like, yeah, there's some mm-hmm. moments where it's like, all right, that's cheesy, but it's so quick that it's forgivable. And then you got stuff like this where it's like, that actually looked pretty cool and worked well even now. So got to give the film that. Yeah, when I was watching it, again, we've seen CGI nowadays. It's like, okay, chill out. Right. Um, sometimes. <laughs> uh, I find it funny how we were like, uh, back in like the 90s and stuff, it's like, yeah, computer computer generated animation. Look at this. Look at this amazing technology. And nowadays we're like, eh. We've seen it right. too much. Go back to go back to the practical effects, please. Well, um, pl- plus there's that unfortunate thing that happens where people nowadays write off the artistry of special effects because they go, "Oh, it's done in computers," and it's like, "Yeah, no, you can't write it. It still takes so much effort." Like, and, and like if you watch a classic film before CGI was a thing, you have to like stop and figure out how the hell they did these effects. We we've talked about it on the show before. Even something as simple as a title card could be crazy amounts of work or like stuff that you would never even think of. Like two of my favorites are the night of the creeps title card where like the letters in creeps are kind of like shimmering and waving. And all they did was they had a cutout, like a, a almost like a, um, which I'm call it like a, a, God, I can't think of them. Like a stencil. God, there's the word I was looking for. Almost like a stencil of the word creeps. And they have a piece of pink silk that they're waving behind the, the stencil. So it looks like the letters are moving and shimmering. And oh, it's, cool. you would never think like, that's how they did that animation. Or like in the, the John Carpenter's The Thing, the, how the, the title card kind of burns into the screen. They had a fish tank filled with dry ice and blue light covered in a garbage bag where they had outlined the words, The Thing in a burnable material and then ignited it so the plastic burned away. And that's why it looks like it burns into the screen. So that's it's like, cool. that's what I'm saying. Like back then, they created these crazy effects. And now people are just like, ah, it's computers. It's like, that's a yeah. shame. <laughs> that so, really is. In, so in the movie, when the smoke came, um, I knew when this movie was made, right? So mm-hmm. when I was looking at this, it still holds up to this day. For a second, my eyes had to go back. Like my brain had to go back and was like, wait a minute. What did this happen? Right, exactly. <laughs> Where the smoke... I was like, the smoke put out the lights. That's cool. It really did look good. I, I and that's mm-hmm. and that's the thing when covering these films in this era where we have that huge mix of CG and practical. Um, it, it is important to like recognize when when there's some good CG. But indeed, he he watches a bunch of animals come running out of the woods, looking frightened. We focus on him. We hear the hoofbeats of an approaching rider. He fires his gun. We hear a horse whinny. And then we cut to him running through the woods, being chased by the horseman. Horseman rides up on him and blammo off with his head. I love the decapitations in, the, in this film. They're like they're equal parts cartoonish and horrific. And I love it. Yeah. 
Oh, for his head! <laughs> he painted the roses yeah. red. Oh man, I love that movie—the the yeah. Disney one, <laughs> the right. the old school one. Um, yes, the old school one. But uh, the next morning, Ichabod and the others are alerted to the murder of the night watchman, who we find out was Jonathan Masbeth, and they're off to investigate. <laughs> I love Ichabod's reaction on his horse, Gunpowder, because the horse starts going the wrong way, and he's like, "No, no, good horsey," and he's like patting it. <laughs> I still like that name for a horse, Gunpowder. It's cool. Yeah. Apparently, according to the trivia, apparently he adopted that horse after the filming. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so uh, we get this fantastic, fantastic investigation scene where Ichabod arrives on the scene. We see all the important men of the town all around. And he asks the doctor, you moved the body? And he goes, I did. He goes, you must never move the body. And he goes, why not? And he goes, because. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> that cracked me up. And then he recreates the galloping around. Like he shows like how big the horse was and which direction the horse came in and all that. So he's, he's kind of figuring out what, what happened. And then uh, he puts on his awesome weird goggles, sprinkles some, some chemical. I don't even know what it was. He's like, what was he learning from that? He like sprinkles chemical on the ground. He goes, oh yes, there's a chemical reaction. I'm like, okay. And? <laughs> yeah, you literally could have. He says that the wound got cauterized immediately, which initially meant that, that that meant that the horseman's sword would have to have been red hot or moved so fast that it mm-hmm. cauterized on spot but all I said, right do, so yeah what did the what did that cocaine do <laughs> well yeah. that's the thing because he sprinkles that first and he says there's a chemical reaction then he puts on his goggles and looks at the wound and he says and then we see the you know beetle climb out of the neck hole and all that and then he recoils back and he goes interesting and they're like what's interesting and he said that the, the wound was cauterized in an instant as if the blade were red hot, yet there's no blistering and no scorched flesh. And then this is when the magistrate goes, it's the devil's fire. <laughs> yeah. You know. So when he was like, you can't move the body. I was expecting to hear something along the lines of it could damage the corpse or you cover up evidence. But instead he just goes, because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm convinced that he was just doing like a hand wavy science stuff. He was like, yep. you know, he's got some chemical. He knows he, he can, if he pours it on the dried blood, it'll bubble up like, you know, like vinegar and baking soda or whatever. And then he's yeah. just like, oh, you know, I'll show these like country bumpkins that uh, I'm a man <laughs> of science, but it wasn't actually learning anything. He's just like, ta da! <laughs> Magic! It did a thing. <laughs> So now we cut to Jonathan Madsbeth's funeral, where we find out that Jonathan's son is now an orphan, as his mother has already died. Uh, Magistrate Phillips tells Ichabod that Jonathan was not the fourth victim, but the fifth. He says four victim or five victims in four graves. Now we also see, like, while he's talking, and we see creepy old Reverend Steenwick watching him, like, with this stern look on his face. Like, yeah, you know, Jeffrey Jones is a creeper, so he plays a good creepy priest. Um. Mm-hmm. All priests are creepy. What do you mean? This is true, but he he, he <laughs> plays a really good one. Um, so then Ichabod reluctantly takes on young Masbeth as his assistant. The next day, uh, he has all four graves dug up and investigates the contents, uh, look, looking for a fifth victim. He gets to Widow Winship and notices a stab wound in her belly. He takes her body to the doctor's office, performs an autopsy, very comically at that, where we get lots of like bright red paint squirting him in the face, which is supposed to be blood. But it's yeah, that. But also, oh, good. She's also, also a dead body. Like, why is it squirting liquid blood? Like, Thank that's not you. how that yeah. works. I was going to say, <laughs> like, it, should all, here. it should all be congealed and 
in rigor mortis, it should all be in her back at right. this point. Even if there is a little bit remaining in her stomach, it really shouldn't be squirting like that. It would more just be like, out of the stomach. Exactly. That's, I have a note right here that says that would not be flowing like that. Were Josh, you your 15-year-old is smarter than any doctor <laughs> in, in the 18th century. Exactly. <laughs> smarter than the people who made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, that's some shade, Tim Burton. Oh, Tim Burton, 15-year-old Tegan Strasberg, smarter than you. What you got? What you got? Episode 146 of the Boogeyman's Closet. The gauntlet is thrown down. Tim Burton versus Tegan. Oh, my God, guys. It's going to be like celebrity deathmatch. Tim Burton versus random 15-year-old. Tegan, do you know what celebrity deathmatch is? No, I don't. Unfortunately, oh, Josh. Oh, the '90s. <laughs> yeah, you need you need to show her at least one. It I'll let, I'll let very, that, very interesting. I'll let that be up to you, which one. But <laughs> you're going to be a claymation princess and whoop <laughs> his butt. Well, be like, I'll, science. I'll... <laughs> I'll just say, you know, uh, Tegan never made a really terrible remake of the Planet of the Apes, so that's that's one one for her. <laughs> um, this, this what are the odds? Of, I'll be your bookie. <laughs> this reminds me of this one scene from Gravity Falls, where um, Excelsior. Um, oh, I'm so upset that I just forgot his name. But like this math wizard is is just like, it's just like. You cannot beat me in my math magic. And uh, Stanford is like, your math is no match for my gun, you idiot. <laughs> I love that show. It's <laughs> a great show. show. Oh, man. So, yeah, he, he performs the autopsy, finds out that she was pregnant. Um, that night, we get a call back to the Disney Sleepy Hollow that we talked about at the start, um, where we see Ichabod, like, traveling along and we hear the the frogs croaking making a sound that sounds like ichabod and then he gets chased by the headless horseman uh it's a horseman and i love that scene oh it's great he's he's carrying a flaming jack-o'-lantern which i have questions about because at some point that jack-o'-lantern just fucking ignites and he hucks ichabod it explodes on his face knocking him off his horse the horseman rides past him and we find out that it was brahm playing a prank on ichabod how did he ignite the jack-o'-lantern? Yeah, like it, some it, guy just like throw a match at him, be like, here you go. Right, it just, it lights up. It's like, what the hell happened? Witchcraft. I think he had, he, yes, witchcraft, or he fashioned some sort of trigger with some sort of ignition fluid. So when it smashed, it would this, just explode. Or a movie's got a movie. I would say, this is Brom. He's not that smart. He's (laughs) really not. Movie's got a movie. So Ichabod passes out, and we get the first of many flashbacks to his childhood, where we see his mother doing what appears to be witchcraft of some some kind, and we see his stern father watching. Then we get an image of his mother spinning around uh, a little drawing to calm him. It's a cardinal on one side and a cage on the other, and then he wakes up. He goes downstairs to get a drink, finds Katrina Van Tassel staying up late reading. The two of them have a conversation where we find out that her mother is dead and the nurse that cared for her is now married to her father. So the Lady Van Tassel now is her stepmom 
who was the nurse who cared for her mother as she was dying. Uh, the Van Garretts are related to the Van Tassels and apparently the rest of this little inbred community. Um, Sweet home she, Alabama, am I right? Right. Also, I just thought of something. I'm really surprised. Right. I'm really surprised that this community is not the Hills Have Eyes. Right. <laughs> well, because she says that there's not a not a fa- or not a bloodline in uh, in Sleepy Hollow that isn't related by blood or marriage. So right. it's like, yeah, that's creepy. Okay, so I I think I figured out the pumpkin. So they didn't they they probably put a lantern in there, and this lantern would need oil. So when he throws the pumpkin, the the lantern breaks, spreading the oil all around the pumpkin, making it explode from the pressure inside. Um, True, there are holes in the pumpkin, but they probably hit the ground when he threw it which would cause a pressure change, making the pumpkin explode. Um, Also, there could have been like a little latch inside the lantern that makes the light show, which he could have pulled with like his finger from the back of the pumpkin as he's holding onto it. So yes, there is a way he could have done that back then. I still say movie Science! (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) But uh, she goes on to explain that when the Van Tassels came to Sleepy Hollow... The Van Garretts were the wealthiest family and gave them an acre of land and a small cottage. That Baltus worked the land and prospered, becoming wealthy himself. Katrina then gives Ichabod a book of spells that belonged to her mother and tries to tell him that, or he tries to tell her that he has no use for it, but she insists that he keep it close to his heart and that it'll protect him against harm, which that will come back much later. Ichabod's book. Exactly. So she takes him to the ruins of the cottage where she grew up. And this is where we see a, a, a really bad animatronic cardinal in a tree. It's so bad. Uh, but she's like, oh, I would love to have one, but I would I would never have the heart to cage it. And Ichabod takes out the little spinning drawing that we saw in his flashback. And he says, then I have something for you. And he spins the drawing and it looks like the, the cardinal is caged. And she she's like, oh, you can do magic. Teach me. He tells her it is no magic. It's what we call optics. Separate pictures which become one in the spinning. It is truth. But truth is not always appearance. I love that line. That mm-hmm. it is truth, but truth is not always appearance. That's why I had to, I had to make sure I kept I kept that in this because I'm like, ah, oh, it's so good. Also, that lady can do magic herself. Why is she asking this little scientist man who obviously does not believe in magic right? to teach her magic? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's like she's she's been doing some magic all along. But that night we see Magistrate Phillips going to leave town. Ichabod follows him and confronts him about what he knew about the widow Winship's child. And if he knows who the father is, the magistrate, because he says there were four bodies or five bodies and four graves. Right. That was earlier. Right. Yeah. Um, That's what that's what Ichabod questions. Well, he's he said because no, no, we already talked about that, though, because magistrate Phillips told him earlier that there were five bodies and four graves. And that was the whole reason for the autopsy and all that. He's questioning Phillips now about how you knew. He's like, how did you know that? That's um, right. and, and he wants to know, like, who the father is, um, thinking that the father is perhaps the murderer. And, the you know, Phillips is telling him, no, the horseman is the murderer. You know, he's like, we already told you that. And he's like, there's no such thing as the horseman. He basically calls shenanigans on it. Just as the horseman decides to come running out of the woods. So he chases down the magistrate and beheads him in this awesome spinning head decapitation. I freaking love that scene. The head rolls down, lands between Ichabod's legs. The horseman rides up, stabs it, and rides off into the woods, leaving Ichabod to pass out. 
<laughs> no, we all I can think of is like he's just like yoink. That's mine. Thank you. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because we we cut to the Van Tassel's house and we see Baltus and Katrina trying to talk to Ichabod, who is hiding in bed with his covers pulled up to his mouth. <laughs> It was a headless horseman. Yes, we told you that. No, you don't understand. It was a man on a horse without a head. Yes, well, the, we know. I told you. I, I was going to have the whole thing here. He goes, He goes. it was a headless horseman. He goes, you must not excite yourself. He goes, but it was a headless horseman. Of course it was. That's why you're here. No, you must believe me. It was a horseman. A dead one. Headless. I know. He goes, you don't know because you weren't there. It's all true. Of course it is. I told you. Everyone told you. But I saw him. And then he passes out. This sounds like an argument between a three-year-old who just ate crayons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you and Dad can back me up on that. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so now we get another dream sequence of Ichabod's past. This time we see his mother attacked by his father, accusing her of being a witch. We see flashes of a red door in a chapel and an iron maiden. Ichabod wakes up. The town prepares themselves to get a new detective, thinking Ichabod has completely lost it. When he comes out of his room and announces that he'll need a he'll need able-bodied men to go with him into the western woods to find the horseman's grave and confront the murdering ghost. He asks, Who's with me? And none but young Masbeth volunteer. So this is kind of the end of Act One. What do you guys think of this so far? I love it. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it was um, it was pretty good. There are some pretty comedic parts in there. At the point where he's like, "No, no, please don't bring me out of bed. I don't want to." And like, get the hell up! You need to fix this. <laughs> exactly. You need to fix this or go home. We were telling you the whole time. See, Stupid. Th- this is one of those movies where I think Johnny Depp really shines. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's done a lot of films uh, since this film, where. Eh, not my favorite stuff. Like, um, the less said about the Lone Ranger, the better. But, uh, you know, he's he's done some crappy films. He's done some phoned-in performances. But this one, he's really on point. I, I love him in this movie. And, uh, again, I'll mention the art design. The art design is just freaking gorgeous. I want to live in every one of these houses. It's <laughs> so pretty. But, and again, the decapitations. Some of the yeah. best film. Mm-hmm. I freaking love them. Kind of looks like the village in the village. Oh man, it's been a long time since I've seen that. I can barely remember what that village looked like. Wow, no, the village section. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was this one scene when he was, I think, riding into town, and mm-hmm. he looked over, and there were all these. There were like several men, like at a dock, and I'm like, oh, this is a shlaba lava ding dong, <laughs> and then a plane flew do? overhead. Yes. <laughs> oh man, what what about yeah. you, Josh? Anything in the first act? Yeah, I was gonna say like this is where obviously I started to uh, to re- appreciate the movie, you know, for the second time. I will, I'm not sure if that's obvious. I'm not sure why I use that phrase, but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I started to really appreciate the movie, expecting to like, you know, I'll, it'll be okay. You know, it'll be fun. I'm curious to check it out again. I still like Johnny Depp, even though he's made a lot of really, really uh, questionable movie choices over the years. <laughs> <Alice in Wonderland>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, 
but yeah, like I think I will say that the thing I liked best about this opening third or so of the movie is that there is a lot of characters introduced and they do a pretty good job of immediately assigning each of the characters some kind of a trait so that you know who that is. And let you are introducing like a whole village, you know, full of people, plus the characters back in New York. It really helps to get actors who maybe at the time they hadn't done their big role yet and, you know, known to everybody, you know, like uh, Michael Gambon as Dumbledore. But they're all such great actors that they can take a couple of lines of dialogue and then like, OK, now I immediately recognize everybody, but also like different body shapes. And like you yeah. said, the different like the different titles or like the doctor and the notary. That way you don't have to try to remember everybody's name. I thought it was pretty clever, the script, you know, of like this, we're going to introduce a shitload of characters really really fast but i had never had any at any point did i have any trouble like trying to keep the characters apart right yeah Yeah. and that that is something that's uh, interesting to point out there that we didn't really talk about at the top is all of the main players are very distinct just in their look so it's like yeah the magistrate he's very rotund and big he's a big guy you know his hair his little hair wig is much different than the others then you have uh you know reverend steenwick who's like this big, tall, stern looking man. And then you have the doctor who's very slight and mustachioed. Then you have the, the old guy with the blind eye as the notary. Like they all look very different. So it's not just like, okay, which one's which. And that, that was, that was a smart move on, on the art department's part is to give them such unique looks. I'm going to bring up Jurassic world dominion here because I watched it um, with my family and the entire time I was just kind of like muttering things to myself as one does. (laughs) Um, but I feel like a lot of movies who introduce a lot of characters like World Dominion just shove uh, expositional food down your throat without giving you the glass of memorability to wash it all down with. So you're just over here choking, like, please help me. (laughs) I can't remember who all these people are. Oh, that's, that's accurate as hell. Like, I mean, we, we just saw that with, with the mummy. Um, the 1999 Brendan Fraser mummy, great film, but it's got a huge cast and like all of the Americans are kind of forgettable. It's like, okay, which one was Mr. Burns? Which one's Mr. Daniels? Like they all kind of look, they're just basically a bunch of like middle-aged white dudes that have a similar style, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's kind of hard to keep them apart. That so was the you're... problem for me in the crazies with the principal and that one guy yeah. who burned his house down. That that confused me for a little bit. I was like, are these the same guy? Right, because it's basically like middle-aged crazy white dude with, you know, with a crazed yeah. look in their eye. Like, which one is that now? And like a receding hairline. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to have that big of a cast, it, it, it's definitely good to have uh, at least unique looks for each of the characters, whether it be through costuming or like cast people that look completely different from one another. You know, indeed, indeed. Make, make your characters visibly uh, memorable. But uh, so, yeah, going into act two, we find Ichabod and young young Masbeth riding into the Western woods. They discuss the connections between the victims. And we find out that Masbeth and his father worked for the Van Garretts and lived in the coach house. We also find out that Peter Van Garrett and his son Dirk were arguing on the night of the murder. They come across the home of the old crone in the woods. And they comment on how there's no animal sounds, no no birds, no crickets, nothing. <laughs> I love this. When they approach the house, Ichabod's hiding behind Masbeth. He's just kind of pushing <laughs> it forward. I was like, what the hell, yeah. dude? That's great. Also, Dirk. 
what what <laughs> drugs were you on to name your child Dark? The uh, see now for me, there's there's an old video game from the 1980s called Dragon's Lair, and the main character was Dirk the Daring. So anytime I hear Dirk, I think Dirk the Daring. <laughs> oh, they played that in. I'm ashamed of myself for this. They played that in Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, that scene, that game. Because I was I, obsessed yeah. as a kid with that game because it was it is a cartoon. It was a, it was the one of the first laser disc video games, and I remember playing it in the arcade with my brother and just being like, "How is this possible?" When you know you go home and play Pong on your Atari. And it's like... Yeah, I um I actually went to an arcade for my brother's birthday. Unfortunately, I was dragged along, um, <laughs> where they had <laughs> all the retro video games. I just spent like two hours just playing Tetris on hard mode, and I was nice. winning. I had a high score of like, um. I'm going to try and remember it. I'm pretty sure I wrote it down somewhere, but whatever. I think it was like 278,460 something. Nice. On an old, on an old rackety arcade <laughs> game on hard mode. That was great. I felt accomplished that day. You want to play some cool Tetris, play uh, the virtual reality version of Tetris Remix. Nice. That's nuts. <laughs> I, I have a little Game Boy phone case. It has actual games on it that I play Tetris on that thing like nonstop. I freaking love Tetris so much. Oh, it's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's impossible not to love that game. Anyways, but, we got off topic here. <laughs> yeah. So they, they go inside and the crone tells uh, Masbeth to leave. She then shackles herself to the wall and summons a spirit uh, into herself to give Ichabod information about the horseman. We get a very quick and crappy CGI shot as the the spirit bursts forward and like eyeballs and snakes come out of her face. It <laughs> was it, very large Marge. It was. It and was. It, it was very large Marge. It's definitely bad CG, but it's forgivable because it's like less than a second on screen. It's just kind of like a blink and you miss it type thing. Um, so then the other tells uh, so the, the demon whatever it is tells him to follow the Indian trail to where the sun dies follow it to the tree of the dead and climb down to the horseman's resting place the crone then passes out on top of Ichabod and he pieces the fuck out he's like bye <laughs> just leaves deuces <laughs> I'm surprised this demon actually helped because in a lot of like movies and stuff that I've watched most of the time demons are the bad guys so it was interesting to see one that was like you need info there right. you go well I, I question was it under a spell because she definitely performed some kind of magic to like summon it forth yeah, so maybe love... because it was like trapped in her she was controlling it I love bats so I was like no the little bat <laughs> When its head got cut off, I was uh, like, no! Yeah, that's, and, and like, it was like, what was she doing? She was like pouring weird shit around and then she killed a bat and it was like, okay, this is just a weird spell. And then that other scene where uh, Katrina like cut the crow, cut the foot off the crow. Blech. Oh, yeah. I was like, no, it doesn't help that I also love crows. I was like, all my favorite <laughs> animals were being slaughtered in this movie. Where she makes the crow foot smoothie. <laughs> yep. Mm, <laughs> drink delicious. This. It will help you sleep. <laughs> yeah, maybe get me some nightmares too. Right. <laughs> Literal nightmare fuel. So Ichabod and Masbeth follow the trail and they run into Katrina on the way, who said she wanted to join them because no one else would. So the three of them make their way to the Tree of the Dead, and I, I love this scene. Ichabod touches the tree and finds it bleeding. He then chops into the tree and it spurts blood. 
Eventually, he pulls away some of the roots, and we find a bunch of severed heads. He deduces that the tree is a gateway between worlds. And I'm like, yeah, it seems legit. <laughs> like, sure, mm-hmm. why not? That's pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty quick deduction. I gotta say, I think this is one of the times I really, really like the sort of goofy special effects, like, you know, goofy on purpose special effects, because yeah. I, I loved the tree bleeding and Johnny Depp's reaction of like, he's like, oh, uh, sorry to bother you, now, Mr. Tree, I dare say, I'm putting, I'm putting you out, you know, it's like, he seemed like he was like, both afraid, but at the same time, like, ew, icky. <laughs> the way he was holding his axe and like, chopping at the tree, it was very it felt, much like, oh, this is gross. It felt like, um... That one scene in Megamind where he's like battling um, Titan and he's mm. just like, now time for some witty banter. And then Titan <laughs> just screams at him. He's like, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> like with a tree <laughs> and a hatchet. <laughs> but Ichabod, uh, he, he sees the horseman's grave and he, it's already been disturbed as the soil is loose. So he digs it up finds that the uh, the grave of the horseman is missing his skull. So it's just bones in there. He thinks that the horseman is returning from the grave every night to take heads until his own is returned to him. Suddenly, the horse and the horseman emerge from the bloody head hole in the tree and ride off. <laughs> like, do, do, do. <laughs> it's, it's pretty disgusting looking because you see like the heads rolling aside and it looks like bloody membrane peel back and then the horse just leaps out. Uh, so. Yes. He just comes from from the upside down. It's like, oh, hey there. Right. Time to go murder. <laughs> so, of course, Ichabod gives chase, because why not? Uh, the horseman makes his way to Sleepy Hollow, where he kills the Killian family, including their young son, Thomas. I was kind of surprised back when I first saw this, because in the 90s, there was this whole thing where it's like, you didn't kill the kids in horror movies. Very few horror movies killed the kid. So when at they... least they killed him off screen, because I was like, ew. Right. I mean, now, granted, eventually we'll get to Mimic, and Mimic, <laughs> they don't shy away. They're like, nah, this bug going to kill these kids, and we're going to watch it. <laughs> so, on the little sign, it says, please knock before you enter. And I mean, he was polite. He knocked, just not in the way one normally does. This he is true. hatchet <laughs> this time. <laughs> and the whole time, all I can imagine is like, sorry, sir, I'm just doing my job. Yeah! Right. Well, time to go complete the family portrait. Right. <laughs> just goes, finds the wife. I was like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. And he's like, dang it, where's this child? Oh, there he is. He's under the floor. <laughs> chop, chop, chop. Gotcha. Let's go. Wee. <laughs> yeah, I was genuinely surprised. I'm like, wow, they, they killed the kid. So, And it's one of those things that, like, every time I watch it, I know it's coming, but I'm just like, wow, yeah, I, I still can't get over the fact that they did that. But Brahm attempts to stop the horseman as he tries to leave town. He repeatedly attacks him. The horseman fights him off and keeps moving. Like, no interest in killing Brahm whatsoever. Ichabod joins the fight and tries to tell Brahm to stop, insisting that, uh, you know, the horseman's not after you. But Brahm's like, oh, I'm going to stop him. He, you know, continues attacking. Eventually, the horseman stabs Ichabod, wounding him, and then splits Brahm in half, killing him. (laughs) And this great, like, double axe like rip scene it's so cool looking yeah he's just like dude i'm just trying to do my job please leave me alone i literally have no interest in you right and then and then he's just trying to leave and then uh ichabod's just like dude stop (laughs) he's he's not trying to hurt you he don't want to kill you and then brahm uh brahm and his boulder brains was Mm -hmm. just like kill 
kill bad man and the bat and the horseman's like if you're gonna get in my way you're gonna get in my way and they're just like slice and dice bye bye see you later cuts him and right then in half rides off into the night <laughs> <laughs> so now we cut to ichabod in bed being cared for by the doctor who tells him he has a fever and then we see katrina practicing some witchcraft she makes him a crow's foot smoothie as we were talking about earlier <laughs> and tells him to drink it it'll help him sleep so Ichabod tells her how he tried to stop Brahm, that the horseman was not there to kill either Brahm nor himself. He then tells him that the horseman does not kill at random, but that, it, that his victims are chosen by someone who controls him, whoever took his skull. Like, he's making a lot of logic leaps. He's correct, but he's making a lot of logic leaps throughout all this. Yeah, if I opened that grave and saw the head scar, I'm like, oh, they just did unto him what he was doing unto people. Makes right. sense. Exactly. I, I wouldn't have made these jumps. Yeah. But also, they... I'm I'm kind of upset that in the Disney version and this version, they didn't keep the whip made of spines from the original mythology. Like, that makes it terrifying. Like, in the original mythology, he goes out into the woods, and if he finds someone, usually young girls getting water from, like, a creek or something, mm. and he finds the man after dark, he's like, oh. You fool! And then steals their spines and adds it and adds it to their whip. <laughs> whip. That's freaking it's creepy. Like, I didn't like, know that. <laughs> yeah, it originated in um, Germany because, of course, it's from Germany. Well, yeah, it's messed up. So it's from <laughs> Germany. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, I feel like if, if they use the whips made of spines, I get why Disney didn't use it. That might have been a bit much. But this movie could have done it. I mean, they're literally yeah. showing the cut off necks of people. I'm, it would have been interesting to see some predator action where they he just pulls the spines out. I'm especially surprised considering it's Burton. I feel like that would be something that he would have liked to like to create, you know? Yeah, because when you steal the spine, you're also you can also steal the skull that way. So he could still be lopping off heads, just not in the normal way. Go full sub zero and just yank it off. Yeah, but... just go <laughs> destroy him. <laughs> <laughs> so he drinks the the smoothie and passes out and has another dream sequence. Uh, this time we finally see what happened in the room in the chapel. Ichabod goes into the room filled with torture devices, including an Iron Maiden and a chair covered in spikes. He sees his mother's eyes peering out of the Iron Maiden at him. He jumps back, landing on the spike chair, piercing his hands and creating the scars. The Iron Maiden opens up in a shower of blood and his mother falls out. He wakes up and his scars are bleeding. Katrina is there and he tells, tells her of his dream, of his past. He tells her that his mother was an innocent, a child of nature, condemned, murdered by his father, murdered to save her soul by a Bible black tyrant behind a mask of righteousness. It's like, yeah, that sounds really friggin' familiar right about now. It's but a cool uh, quote, though. Yeah, it really is. Cool quote. And it is sadly very accurate as of right now. Yeah. And then he says, I was seven when I lost my faith. So the two have a little tender moment where he confesses his feelings for her and they hug. Aw, isn't that sweet? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I had a traumatic, I just had a traumatic event and my hands are bleeding, but let's kiss. Right. You've, you've bewitched me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the next day, Ichabod gets to work trying to figure out who is controlling the horsemen and how everything is linked together. He gets an idea that uh, to look at the Van Garrett family tree and heads to the notary, uh, notary Hardenbook's place. Once there, he finds Hardenbrook hiding, clearly scared. Masbeth sees the satchel from the beginning of the film and says that it was his father's. 
They open it and find the will of Peter Van Garrett, the seal broken along with a marriage certificate. We now get a breakdown of the town elder conspiracy. We find out that Van Garrett married the, the, uh, the widow Winship, rewrote his will, leaving everything to her and her unborn child, which is why father and son were arguing that night. The town elders were, were drawn in as, as reverend who oversaw their marriage. The doctor who examined Emily to, you know, say that she is pregnant. Um, the magistrate who gave his protection of law and Hardenbrook who concealed the documents. Jonathan Masbeth is the one who witnessed the new will and which sealed his fate to be murdered by the horseman. Um, so anyone who knew about the, the will wound up dead by the horseman, which is why notary Hardenbrook is now terrified. Ichabod deduces that whoever is controlling the horseman is the one who has the most to gain from the death of Peter Van Garrett, and he ports, points the finger at Boltus Van Tessel. So Ichabod and Masbeth return to the Van Tassel house to find Katrina waiting in his room for him. She almost seems like she's up to something here. She was poking around in his things. Um, she sees the ledger where he had he had written conspiracy points to Baltus. <laughs> so she asks what he has there and if it's evidence. And he tells her it is and that she must leave so he can get to work. But not well, that's not suspicious at all. Right. But not before she turns and sees where he's putting the evidence uh, in his desk. So now we get this great comical moment where a tarantula crawls across the floor and Ichabod jumps up on a chair telling Masbeth to kill it. <laughs> I love this scene because he's like, kill it, kill it. <laughs> yeah. If like, that were me, if I were Masbeth in that room, I would just be like, ooh, fluffy, and picks it up. That's kind of what he did. He was like, it's just a spider. And he went for it. He's like, no, no, it's not. Kill it. Yeah, honestly, though, I, there probably would not have been tarantulas in New York at the time. No. <laughs> so... I would have picked this up, be like, ooh, wait a dang minute. How is this thing here? <laughs> exactly. Shouldn't this be in, like, South America or, like, Mexico or something? And then uh, Masbeth goes to find it because it crawls under the bed. He pulls the bed out, and we see, drawn on the floor, the evil eye. Masbeth tells him that someone was casting spells against him. That night, Ichabod and, Ma uh, Ichabod and Masbeth see a cloaked figure leaving the Van Tassel house and go off into the woods. So they follow behind. Ichabod finds Lady Van Tassel getting down with someone in the woods. Now, we don't see who it is at first. Um, while the... <laughs> this is so gross. The guy who's who's with her is just kind of, like, snorking and making weird noises like a freaking pig looking for truffles. It's like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> like, what is he doing? Just, like, licking her stomach or something? <laughs> I'm so confused. It was... Yeah. It was Definitely grotesque. And then the we find time, out who it is. Uh, the whole time they were following, I all I could think of was just don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> don't be suspicious. <laughs> suspicious. Oh, I love that meme. Also, <laughs> how did young Ma uh, how did young Masbeth know that it was uh, evil? Because well, that's the um, thing. He, he doesn't. He he yeah. has the same outlook that most of the townsfolk do. Is oh, magic! It's evil. Uh, true, you know, because they they find out later more about it. Um, but yeah. Also, we, why the hell did that lady cut her hand? What was what, the point? Why what what, did she gain from that? Um, she well, I'll, I'll explain in a second. So she she cuts her hand, and then you know Ichabod kind of hides, and she wipes the the bloody hand on the back of her lover. Um, I'm pretty sure that was marking him for death. Oh, yep. and then he was like, oh, you want to mark me? Yeah, let's go. And then he mm. now we don't see it here, but when we see it in the flashback, he licks her wound. I'm like, oh, dude, come on. Oh, that's that, got to that burn. That cannot be healthy. No, he's got to burn. COVID. 
COVID. <laughs> that's how you get. That's how you get ants. This this, yeah. this was proto COVID. Um. Yeah, when they show it later on, like a kitchen scene, yeah. I'm just I'm looking at the wound. Like that is a red and angry wound. That guy probably just deeply infected that cut by licking it. Well, because as we discussed earlier, they all got nasty mouth at this point. So yeah, yeah. he's just spitting all his germs up in there. It's like, Phew. yeah, now you infect with my germs. It's like, Bleh. how you like that, huh? <laughs> so Ichabod and Masbeth return to the house Van Tassel and find that the will is gone from the drawer. We cut to Katrina cut burning the, the will in the fireplace of the old destroyed cottage where she grew up. Ichabod finds her there. He confronts her. She tells him off for trying to accuse her father. And that's why she burned the evidence. He apologizes to her, but admits that he has that that Baltus is the one that has the most to gain from the murders. She basically tells him to F off in old timey speak and leaves. <laughs> She's like, I want nothing to do with you. And she leaves. So that's basically the end of act two. So what do you what do you guys think of this so far? Um, I find it funny how Katrina's like, yes, you random stranger. I don't know very well. Let's kiss and make out and become lovers. You know, I've only right. known you for like. A few, a, like a week at this point. Let's become, let's become lovers, yay! And then he does one thing. He does the one thing wrong. She's like, "Get out of my sight, fool!" <laughs> you go now. <laughs> I personally, I love the Tree of the Dead set piece. I think that's one of my favorite uh, set pieces in a Tim Burton film. Oh yeah, it's, it's so gorgeous. Okay. One time, that one part where he's like peeling off the bark. For a mm. second, my brain was like, oh, yeah, she's peeling off the flesh because there was blood in it. I thought he was for my brain was like, oh, yes, you've seen so many gore horror movies. He's just peeling this rotten skin off of someone with the blood included. Right. To my brain, it was like gangrenous skin. <laughs> I also love how Hardenbrook's place looks like it's straight out of Harry Potter. Yeah. Like it totally looks like like some, something you'd find in Diagon Alley. You know? Oh, definitely. Probably in like the um, not the no, not the leaky cauldron. Right. Uh, It'd be like one of the, the many shops. Wait, wait, I can't pronounce the person uh, probably, but it's Beavish and Blots, that place with all mm. the books. Yep. That's what it looked like. Yeah. It's, oh, I just, I love those types of set pieces where you have just like a really busy, cluttered room that kind of makes sense to the character. I, yeah. I've always enjoyed that. If I said that wrong, all the Potterheads are going to be like, you said it wrong. What's wrong with you? I'm just like, <laughs> it's been like, it's been like three years since I've read the books. Give me a break. <laughs> it's flourish and blots. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, like I said, they're probably going to ha have knives and pitchforks uh, at my house now. <laughs> so what, what are your thoughts on this part so far, Josh? Yeah, no, I really like this. Uh, like I said before, I, I the movie was really kind of growing on me, and I was getting a newfound, you know, uh, newfound appreciation for it. I didn't. I thought that the plot kind of broke down a little bit here in the second act. Um, but yeah, the the tree of the dead set piece, I think, really just carried it, and the time that they spent in the woods with the crone, and you know, it, it was less about the mystery, I think, and more about exploring like the supernatural part of the storyline. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and so I, I really like the look and the the, uh, the theatricality of this part of the movie. But yeah, it kind of dragged a little bit. Um, not having remembered the exact like mystery solution from you know like twenty plus years ago when I saw it last <laughs> time, I was a little bit uh, suspicious of you know, a couple of different characters and Katrina was one of them. So, you know, when she was like taking the evidence, I was like, Oh, you know, obviously they want 
Tim Burton is like pointing big giant arrows that like we we should be suspecting this character like oh you know she's very suspicious which to me just says okay so she's off the table like it's not her she's a red herring a total red right. herring because right. it, it's too obvious it's got to be somebody else but then I, and I and I I didn't remember a key element which we haven't like revealed yet in our episodic retelling you know but mm-hmm. yeah like i i didn't remember the the crone's relationship to like the townsfolk so i was like wait yeah. what's going right. on like why did she help them and yeah it, so it was kind of cool so I'm, i was still like in it you know like okay forget katrina it's somebody else who's it going to be and you know and then i ended up zeroing in on like the correct uh culprit but yeah i was i was uh i was excited to like have the story actually unfold and it wasn't like so obvious that i was like okay yeah this is this is just you know set dressing and cool special effects but like there really is a decent story here for me the stepmom was just suspicious the whole time like she's i'm just like she's been in the background a lot she's been silent she's been barely prominent at all suspicious <laughs> exactly see now one thing i always question even on this watching is like why did neither ichabod nor masbeth seem all that put out by this crazy old woman living in the woods practicing witchcraft like they were just kind of like oh yeah okay it makes sense <laughs> like they just you know i think like, i think that she was just someone who was always there and like, yeah, if you but, listen to her voice mm. like when we finally see the reveal like at the very end you know it's not that person but if you really listen to the voice because I haven't seen this movie in so long that I was kind of like, hmm, you can put two and two together just by the voice. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, as far as the characters are concerned, like Ichabod has been very hesitant toward anything uh, magical up to this point. And even though he's kind of accepted, like, OK, yeah, there's a headless horseman out there. It is a murdering ghost. We got to get to the, the bottom of this. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, you're going to chain yourself up and summon a demon. Why not? Well, let's go do it. <laughs> I think he's just said his ends rope. Like he just wants to solve it. Yeah. Yeah. My take on that was that he started off as a skeptic, but when he had that whole sequence we talked about earlier where he sees the horseman, I think he just, he does a 180 and he just accepts the fact like it kind of breaks down his whole perception of reality. He has a little bit of like a, you mm-hmm. know, a snap, right? A little bit of a like breakdown. A existential crisis. Yeah. You're right. But I, and I think right. he, he, he comes out of that saying, okay, the supernatural stuff exists and I'm going to add that to, you know, my, my, my bag of tools, you know, so I need to be take, take into account the fact that yes, there could be like this, uh, mysterious, uh, you know, horseman who, whose skull is missing and he needs to get it back. And it's like, none of that stuff would have been anything that he would have, uh, considered realistic earlier on. And suddenly he's embracing it. Whereas Masbeth is growing up young Masbeth. He's growing up in this town where all of this stuff is totally normal. He's heard about the horsemen and people are going missing. He's obviously believes it. Everybody believes it. So I think the supernatural stuff to him, he's just taking it in stride. Like, okay, yeah, one more weird thing. Like, you know, what else? Like my dad got beheaded by a ghost. Like something right. is happening, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah also, I guess when, when your dad gets beheaded by a ghost, all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, I found it strange that, yeah, I know everyone handles grief differently. But I found it strange of how unfazed he was that his father was killed. Right. Like, he was just like, oh, dad's dead. Mom's dead, too. Guess I'm an orphan now. Hey, you, random constable guy, adopt me. (laughs) You need some help. I need money. 
<laughs> I'm just a little orphan, the boy. <laughs> Please take me in. Oh, man. But no, Susie, do you have any comments on uh, the second act? I like the exposition. I think it did move a little bit slower, but I think it's going to pick up in the third. Oh, absolutely. So mm-hmm. starting off in act, in act three, we have uh, Ichabod asks Lady Van Tassel if he can see Katrina, and she tells him that Katrina wants nothing to do with him. He goes to leave, and she asks him why he hasn't asked her how she hurt her hand. She then shows him the cut and tells him that she knows he saw her. She then tells him to promise not to tell her husband. Suddenly, Baltus bursts into the room, frantically telling them that Hardenbrook hanged himself, and the entire town has been called to a meeting by Reverend Sternwick, or Steenwick, um, where they all plan to speak out against Ichabod. Baltus tells him that if he's smart, he'll leave town. Then he then notices his wife's hand, and she lies and tells him that she was careless with a kitchen knife, and that she'll bind it with some arrowroot flowers later. So now we cut to Lady Van Tassel picking flowers. Baltus rides up and tells her that they must hurry, to, hurry to the meeting. That the bells have already be, uh, bells have already rung and the meeting is starting. She just smirks, and from behind her, out of the woods, we see the horsemen riding out. So we then see the town pouring into the church for the meeting. Baltus rides up, yelling that the horseman killed his wife, and we see the horseman riding up behind him. Everyone piles into the church, and the horsemen can't enter the grounds. I, I love this whole sequence. So we see the horsemen circling the church as men are busting out the windows and shooting him from, from inside. Inside, Reverend Steenwick wants to throw Baltus to the horsemen as he says that it wants him. Ichabod tries to tell them they're safe, that the horsemen can't enter. The doctor tries to confess to Baltus what happened, that his friends knew of a conspiracy and played him for a fool. While this is all happening, Katrina kneels down and begins to draw something on the ground. Before the doctor can confess, Steenwick bashes his skull in with a cross. It's like, Jesus, it's a little bit of an overreaction. And then Baltus... like, feel the hammer of God, shut up. <laughs> right. And then The Baltus... power of Christ compels you. <laughs> the power shut of Christ murders up. you. <laughs> and then Baltus shoots Reverend in the, in the stomach. And his, his uh, wig falls off and we see that it's the redheaded man who was screwing around with Lady Van Tassel in the woods. Then outside, the horseman gets some rope and breaks off one of the fence posts. The men surround Baltus inside. He yells at everybody that there's a conspiracy, and he plans to find out what it is. He then backs up to the pulpit in front of the window. The horseman harpoons him through the window with the fence post and yanks him out, dragging him to the edge of the churchyard where he can behead him. Katrina then faints. Ichabod sees the chalk in her hand and sees what she was drawing. It's the same evil eye that was under his bed. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The next day, Ichabod goes to leave Sleepy Hollow, heartbroken by the thought that uh, that Katrina is a witch. And he rides uh, or uh, as he rides in the carriage, he sees the body of Lady Van Tassel being brought into the doctor's office. He then thinks of something and checks the book of spells Katrina gave him. He finds the evil eye and that it's actually to ward off evil spirits and use to protect loved ones. He then heads back into town goes to the doctor's office and checks the bodies. He looks at the cut on the lady's hand and realizes the cut was made after the woman was dead. It's not Lady Van Tassel. Back at the house, Katrina is approached by by her very much still alive stepmother and faints. Uh, Lady Van Tassel is like, what's wrong, my dear? It looks like you've seen a ghost. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so she then takes Katrina to an old windmill where she summons the horseman to come and claim the head of her stepdaughter. Masbeth sees them leave and follows behind. 
Katrina wakes up and Lady Van Tassel gives her villain backstory. Ah, uh, yes, which, the monologue. You gotta have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, feel, I like how they address that in The Incredibles, where Cinder was like, oh, you got me monologuing. <laughs> right. and they laughed about it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's such a, it's such a movie trope, you know? Yeah. You gotta have it. But she tells Katrina that she's the one who controls the horsemen. The body that was found was that of her, her, of her servant girl, Sarah, who she also killed. We find out her family name is Archer and that when she was a child, her father died and she, her sister and her mother were evicted and offered no help by the town as her mom was suspected of witchcraft. Mom taught both the daughters witchcraft before she died within a year. Her and her sister were the twins that we see in the Western woods in the Hessian flashback um, who, you know, came across Hessian before he was murdered. She saw him killed and offered her soul to Satan if he would raise the Hessian to avenge her against the Van Garrett family, the man who threw them out and uh, threw them out into the woods to die while Baltus and his family took up their family home. She planned to become the, the heir to the fortunes and killed anyone who stood in her way. Now all that's left is Katrina. Ichabod arrives there just before the horseman does and Katrina and Masbeth barricade themselves into the windmill while Lady Van Tassel watches and hides the horseman's skull behind her back. The horseman begins breaking in through the barricade. Ichabod starts the windmill up, and the three of them try to get to the roof. The horseman breaks in and chases after them. They get to the roof. Ichabod Ichabod drops a lantern in, igniting the windmill uh, with the horseman inside. The three ride the windmill sails down to the ground as the the burning building explodes. I was like, why does it explode? (laughs) Movie's got a movie, man. Right? It was right. like a Michael Bay explosion. That thing blew the hell up. <laughs> but, what could possibly be? Well, we saw like grains of like bags of flour. Right. Which is what windmills were most mostly primarily used for as grinding mills and stuff. That's why it's called a windmill. Um, I was like, what was in there that was so damn explosive? Yeah, I don't think they would have had exploding jelly back then. May, for some reason, there may there might have been gunpowder, but I there, doubt there would have been. There was just a box of grenades in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "Yep, I'm gonna need these for later." I'm just gonna leave this uh, box of Acme instant explosions in the corner <laughs> for, exactly. for when they film the movie later. <laughs> But I, I love this line because Masbeth goes, is he dead? And Ichabod goes, that's the problem. He was dead to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the horseman comes out quite unharmed. Ichabod and the others take off in the carriage and the horseman gives chase. I, I love this because Ichabod gets up on the top of the carriage and shoots the horseman who tries to climb aboard. Then gets knocked by, And then Ichabod gets knocked by a branch off the carriage onto the horseman's horse riding backwards. There's oh, a, that little nod to the Disney part. Yep. It's yeah. so, very comical. I, I love it. And so we see the horseman being dragged behind the cart. Ichabod jumps onto him, knocks him off, and then he's dragged himself. <laughs> the horse comes and grabs the ride. horse. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he climb, he climbs, abod, uh, climbs aboard the carriage, and then he and Ichabod have a fight atop the carriage. And the cart eventually crashes. The horseman goes flying. Uh, and the uh, Ichabod, uh, Katrina, and Masbeth end up riding off to the Tree of the Dead, where Lady Van Tassel shows up and shoots Ichabod in the chest. She then grabs Katrina and holds her, waiting for the horseman. Ichabod gets up, very much alive, tackles Lady Van Tassel, gets the skull from her right as the horseman is about to cut Katrina's head off, 
gives the horseman back his skull. He lets go of Katrina and puts his head back on where we get this weird bit of CGI of the flesh regrowing onto his face, which is kind of cool. And again, yeah. large Marge. Yes. Very comical. Very cartoonish. I'm um, a sucker for when animations show muscles and the skin reforming. Besides yeah. that one a little part where like the eyes pop out. It's very cool to me because some of the coolest animations I've seen on YouTube have that animation in them. I'm going to, you probably won't know what this is, but I'm sure if any young, young, youngins are watching this, um, they might've heard of saddest um, animation called hog hunt where that happens to one of the characters. He comes back to life and all the muscles come onto his mouth as he like bites the air coming back into life. It's a very cool animation. So if anyone knows what that is, the yeah, cool, cool uh, modern day reference. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll have to look that up. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for, for creepy animation. Yeah. Just, it's not really creepy. It's more cool, but just search up hog hunt, H O G space hunt. <laughs> I'll check it out. All right. But uh, but yeah, no, I agree. It looks cool up until like the eyes bugging out, uh, like Susie said, is very large Marge. It's cool. Like it still works. But I think if the eyes didn't bulge out all cartoonishly, it just would have looked like a cool CGI shot. Um, but then we see uh, so <laughs> we see that Ichabod was saved by Katrina's book of spells because he kept it close to his heart, like she said, and it stopped the bullet. I pulled a Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> exactly. So the horseman takes Lady Van Tassel, gives her a big old bitey kiss, and takes her off to hell with him. And <laughs> off to Mar- off to off to Fairyland. <laughs> <laughs> that scene where he like bites her mouth. I'm like, ah, that's gross. Because he I, uh, looks at her and he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? But <laughs> before he regenerates, his teeth and that skull, they really do not look as pointy as they are. Once he's fully regenerated. Here comes the skull rant. You know, I didn't I didn't actually pay that close of attention. I'll have to go back and look because I didn't even notice that. Oh, I did. <laughs> See, my my reference uh, for this, like the close up of the skull is actually the old McFarlane toys Sleepy Hollow line because I bought the whole set when I was working at Media Play and it comes with a little severed skull and it's, you know, got the jagged pointy teeth. So I just, I wasn't even thinking about it in the film. So yeah, I'll have to go back and check that out. That's interesting. The little portal on the Tree of the Dead looks a lot like the portal to Stranger Things. Um, oh, to totally. The, the upside, upside down. down. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You, so, I'm sure that they were in, the Duffer Brothers were influenced a little bit here. Yeah, so this is, I feel um, very like, oh, like uh, bad to say this. But I had never watched Stranger Things before until like two until until like two days ago. Oh, so man. right now, so right now I'm on the second season and I'm wor- and I'm watching it with my friend who has never watched it before either, and we're working on it. No so spoilers. Please, please no don't no attack spoilers. me. Please don't attack me. Oh no, no spoilers. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Better you're late than it. never. Okay, good. Yeah, no. So I... we're like both making up theories about it. We're like. We're both just like that one guy. I forgot where it's from, but there's a meme 
where this guy has a giant wall filled with papers oh. and tacks, and <laughs> he's just it, like uh, putting his hands up against it. And was he's it Charlie like, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, yeah, he's just like trying to explain things. This is basically us when we were watching yeah. the movie, just making up no, conspiracy theories. No, no joke, Tegan. I'm I'm way behind on everything. Like your your dad and Susie can both attest. I am one of those people that when it comes to television shows, I am woefully behind on things. <laughs> same, same. But I still need to watch the new season of Umbrella Academy. See, I, I haven't have watched it either. No spoilers. No okay. spoilers. Cool. It, so, okay. Uh, um, but I did just, I, I mentioned this before, I did just watch Squid Games, which highly recommend if anyone hasn't watched it. Really good. Uh, yes. I feel like it's overrated. I feel like I've, <sighs> I've seen it like everywhere. My brother's obsessed it. with it. Every, the media is obsessed <laughs> with it. So now I'm just like, well, I don't. Well, now I don't want to watch it anymore. See now, wait till wait till the hype dies down. Yeah, but yeah, Umbrella Academy. Oh my God! So our 12 year old niece Ella is like, she's she's getting into horror. She watched the entire Scream like franchise. Actually, texted me yesterday and was like, I finally watched the newest Scream last night. Oh my God! And Anytime something comes out that she knows that we're both interested in, Shane and myself, she's like, oh, my God, have you watched this yet? And we're like, Ella, it's the first day. We both work. (laughs) But she didn't do this with Umbrella Academy. So I went we went over to her house last weekend for her sister's birthday party. And I was like, have you watched Umbrella Academy like the new season? She's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. And I'm like, well, do they tastefully like explain Vanya turning. Oh yeah. And she was like, no, that was really cool, but it was just, you know, interesting overall. And that's all I'm going to say. So now I'm like, Oh my God, Shane, we have to start this season. So it's on my list to watch. Yeah. So I have a weird problem with live action shows. I cannot watch them by myself. I don't know why, but I just can't sit down and watch them. For long periods of time. I can get through like one episode. And then I forget about it for like three days. And then I have to go back and do it again. So the three shows. That have been able to get me to sit down. For hours and watch them. As if they were a cartoon show. Is Sweet Tooth. Um, The Umbrella Academy. And a series of unfortunate events. I Ah. love a series of unfortunate events. I've never read the books. Which I am very sad to say. But I love the show so much. Dad's been pestering me for years to read them, along with A Wheel of Time. And we finally compromised (laughs) on A Wheel of Time to where he's like, all right, watch the show together. That's the compromise. I'll stop (laughs) nagging you about reading the books now. (laughs) I was waiting. I was hoping that one of them was going to, you were going to say it was The Wheel of Time. Because as long, (laughs) I've known your dad for over 20 years and that has been his number one favorite yep ever book yeah. series oh yeah everyone so, knows that like f f harry potter f game of thrones which i couldn't even get through the first book i'm sorry uh, i said i it. do love i do love that series i read it twice yeah. <laughs> but yeah the will really time i've read yeah, countless countless times. Yeah, so I learned, his first I learned book with fell Stranger apart Things. in his hands. <laughs> yeah, I don't even own the whole series anymore because my books started to fall apart. Um, but yeah, no, I learned with Stranger Things. I was like, you know what? No pressure. And like, I'll just tell you how much I like it, and eventually, eventually, you'll want to give it a shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want. So I have. I can watch shows better when I have people watching me with watching it with me. Mm-hmm. So 
that's that's what's happening with um that's what happened with the wheel of time and with stranger things but we should probably get back on topic <laughs> i say we we are almost done with the movie okay good <laughs> kind of like, like went off on a long like uh spiel about movies yeah <laughs> well, so the headless horseman gives her that big old bitey kiss and uh takes her to hell with him so they jump into the uh <laughs> to the portal in the tree the head hole and uh, we see it, it closed up. It was, it, it was the whole film. <laughs> the um, so we see her arm like sticking out of the of the tree as it closes up behind her. Um, so and when Ichabod sees that, he passes out because, of course, he does. So now we cut to the to a new day where we see Ichabod, Katrina and Masbeth arriving in New York City where they will live happily ever after. The end. Woo. So, final so, thoughts. Does her so, hand eventually turn to a piece of the tree and then do truckers stop by? <laughs> oh, no. Ooh, uh, that's a little adult. <laughs> and that's I why I kept it, kept it vague. Kept it vague. I was thinking corpse bride, Susie. Wow, <laughs> Susie. Wow. Yeah, now that... Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, considering that the tree was constantly bleeding and the heads were still very much human heads inside of it. I, yeah, no, I think her arm is just permanently stuck, you know, hanging out of the tree. I think it would eventually rot and fall off. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a skeleton. It's powered by tree. Or a skeleton, magic. yeah. <laughs> Tregic, I like it. Tree magic. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's maybe it's just because I, I always, in my head, I'm just... Ah uh, yes, Katrina is Wednesday Adams. How old is Katrina, and how old is Ichabod? Okay, what? like so, what's the age gap there? I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone, but the flashbacks to when he was a child didn't it say like 20 years ago or 23 years ago. I don't think it gave a time. It did not. No. All right, so I was imagining it. Because um, I was like, he is probably only like maybe thirty-five. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's definitely older than it, but uh, there there is a bit of trivia where Johnny Depp said that he found the idea of Christina Ricci being his love interest in the film rather odd, seeing that he's known her since she was nine years old. They first met on the set of Mermaids in nineteen ninety, as when Depp That's was right. still he was still dating mm-hmm. Winona Ryder. So he said yeah. it was very off-putting. <laughs> oh, that's well, the good. Math, At the least math, you have some sense. There. <laughs> Does Sorry. he love me? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 1999, Johnny Depp was 36 and Christina Ricci was 19. Well, that oh. seems a little old for her to be not paired with someone <laughs> permanently <laughs> at that time. Right. Uh, so let's hope that her... Uh, in movie age is something over 20 for the love of Christ, please. Right. <laughs> we can hope, but that probably not frame, sadly. Right. She was probably only like 13 in the, like supposed to be 13. I was going to say oh. in, that, in that time frame, most people didn't live past 40. So, you know, True. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Depp was like, if he was that old, his character was on a deathbed. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. He had one foot and two toes in the grave. 
along with that notary guy, like that man was falling apart at the seams. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised die. if he was stuffed with paper like the rest of his house. <laughs> I think all the elders in that town were really like 500 years old. <laughs> just vampires. Yep, they were just vampires. <laughs> so that church ground must have not been that holy on the inside for Reverend Steed to be in there. Right. Now, just holy of, enough to keep the horseman out, though. Yep. One of, one of the things I have to say about this film is it really does feel timeless. I mean, outside of the, the CGI, there's nothing that really, you know, like dates the film. And the mm-hmm. CGI is used so sparingly that I, it doesn't affect it for me. Like, I really feel like right. this is just as good now as it was in 1999. And I think I'll probably continue to feel that way moving forward. It's it's just overall, it's a it's a really fantastic film. I, I feel like it's a it's a good October movie. It's one of those types of movies that, you know, the, gather the family around and watch the Headless Horseman. Like it's along it's with um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Right, yeah. It's just got that kind of. It, it's it's dark, but it's safe kind of feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, I love every building in this entire movie. Like like even the, the buildings in New York, when we see them in New York, I'm like, everything just looks cool. I love the look of it. So, um, the Van Tassel house I want to live in. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom says I'm very like traditional taste in clothing. Mm-hmm. And I could see what she's talking about. I would wear a lot of the men's clothes from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, and like before that to like the 1900s, but I would also wear Ichabod's clothing that he wore in the movie, <laughs> like 100. percent I, would I love wear I that. love his jacket. His jacket I would is wear, awesome. His shirt is my favorite. I mm-hmm. love I, the, the, the sleeves. Mm-hmm. It look it gives me like pirate shirt theme. And my yep. friend Addison has a pirate shirt, and she let me wear it one, one time, and it was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Like, I want to have a sweater vest and just wear it with a white collared shirt and, like, some jeans or something. Definitely. Some Doc Martens. Yes, I have Doc Martens. I need to wear them more. Oh. <laughs> I know. Do you hear uh, that, Josh? That's me clapping. Good parenting. My mom made <laughs> sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> mom made sure Christina I had Doc Martens. Gotta have Docs. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, uh, Josh, what are your final thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, like like I've said a couple of times, I really like this movie way, way better this time around. And I kind of wish that I would have been able to enjoy it these past like couple of decades. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm really glad that I got a chance to rediscover it. And I really did enjoy this story. You know, I found that it was, to be honest with a lot of these types of movies, I feel like the story is very predictable, especially when you're adapting an existing story or an existing like Disney property, you know, depending on what their exact uh, um, sorry, what, what, what exactly they're basing it on. But I, yeah, I really liked that the things they added to it, I like the mystery element, the things that I hated originally, the constable um, introduction, you know, of Johnny Depp or Ichabod Crane's role as a constable and all the weird sci-fi gadgets and stuff. I just thought it was a little much, you know, 20 years ago, but now I really appreciate it. Yeah. I really like this movie and I definitely think 
we're probably going to add this to our like rotation of like Halloween movies that we throw on in October. Cause we always got Halloween movies on in the background. You know, there's always yeah. a Beetle, a Beetlejuice or an Everett Scissorhands or, yep. you know, Nightmare Before Christmas, lots of Tim Burton, but yeah, there's just any kind uh, you know, we, we do, we also do the Adams family. Yeah. We always just have something kind of on in the background and I think we're probably going to put this one in the, that rotation. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, so for I me, love it. I, I mostly associate Johnny Depp with Pirates of the Caribbean nowadays, mm. as a lot of people um, at my school and of my age do. But for me, it was funny to see Jack Sparrow, the pirate, as a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, I honestly haven't watched the Pirates movies in a long freaking time, but it, that's oh, definitely like them. his most famous. I'll be honest, the two roles that constantly pop into my head when I think Johnny Depp, two two immediate things. Number one is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> like, I always think of that, and I always think of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Those didn't they? Ones. Okay, I, yeah. I, if anyone knows about Rango, who's oh, listening yeah. to this, yeah. can we be friends? Because I've, <laughs> I've known, like, only one other of my friends knows about Rango, <laughs> We're Blast like best for friends. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, they they referenced that movie in Rango, the one brief scene where he's like flying around mm-hmm. haphazardly on this on the road and he smacks into this person's window. I dad <laughs> dad dad said that uh, he referenced that movie. I forgot yep. the name of it, but it was something about Las Vegas Fear with Johnny Depp in it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that one. And I'm just like. It's that a weird that movie. scene. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll get in a kick where I'm like, I want to watch 90s films that are not horror. And the movies that I always end up watching are Fear and Loathing. I usually watch a couple of the Kevin Smith films, usually like Clerks and Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, stuff like that. Um, I'll always watch The Big Lebowski. Fantastic freaking movie. I can't get enough of that. And then love the love action. It. The action film I always put on is Leon the Professional. Like, oh, I yeah. always watch those movies when I'm like, I'm craving 90s film. <laughs> yeah, so I love Rango. I love it so much. I watched it so many times as a small child. Jake Jake is my favorite character. I love him. Um, I, on, I only ever saw it once. I remember my, my son wanted to watch it when, I want to say he was like maybe five or six. And that's when I, when I watched it. I loved it. I thought it was great. It was a fun right? movie. Um, so my friend, she's not from America. I'm not going to say what country uh, she's from for anonymity, but mm-hmm. when she came to America, not a lot of movies had her language as a dub, but mm-hmm. Rango did. So oh, she was cool. able to watch that. That was one of her first movies that she watched in America. And I'm really glad that she did because we like to talk about that movie a lot. And we watch it sometimes when I go over to her house. That's and really I've, cool. Yeah, and whenever Jake gets introduced, we're like, "Yes, it's our boy!" <laughs> I almost considered naming my uh, my snake uh, Jake, but I didn't. Also, I that would have been that would have been cool named, on another level too, because yeah, yeah. Jake Snake, just Snake Roberts. <laughs> I yeah. named him. I named him Crowley, like mm-hmm. Alistair Crowley, or nice, or nice Crowley from Good Omens. Yep, Mr. Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> I love Good Omens, so I'm like. Crowley, yeah. that's his that name. Absolutely. 
Also, yeah, that was an show. awful, awful Ozzy Osbourne impersonation. <laughs> 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 eh, it, it, it'll get a pass on this show. Okay. <laughs> because it's Ozzy. Because it's I was going to say, we, we also do some awful impressions on this show. <laughs> That's um, true. So All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, uh, what are your final thoughts, Susie? Final thoughts are watch the show, watch the movie. It <laughs> is an all-star cast. It's it's a Tim Burton film. If you love Tim Burton, you're going to love this movie. If you haven't already seen it, which I would assume most of our listeners have. Yeah. If not all, but definitely give it your time. If you haven't watched it in a while, watch it again. It's so well done. I mean, this is this is one of my top five Tim Burton movies. Same. Fantastic yeah, film. I quite like this film and the whole time because I'm associating these actors with different things in this movie. I I'm just having like little scenarios in my head of like Mr. Mr. Dursley pulling at this <laughs> pulling right. this donkey with a with a uh, with a little cart along talking she... to Jack Sparrow being like <laughs> being like widow wind uh, windship whatever her name is is pregnant. And Johnny's like, so you're the father. He's like, no. <laughs> and Emperor Palpatine making out with some maid. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and Darth Maul on a horse with his right. face somehow. It, it's so <laughs> weird off for eggs. me. It's so, it's so weird for me to see Richard Griffiths in a role where I don't hate him. Like, cause I kind of liked the magistrate. I like magistrate Phillips. Like he was, he was a nice dude. He was trying to like, he was trying to explain mm. what happened, even though like everyone was trying to like keep him silent. Mm-hmm. But I see him and I'm like, nah, you're Dursley. <laughs> you're exactly. Not, I don't like you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, where are you? Why why aren't you saying yeah, like Potter? <laughs> right. Potter. <laughs> but it's Sunday. Why do we love Sunday? Sunday? No post on Sunday. <laughs> Sundays. <laughs> oh man. And then I look at uh no, the notary and I'm like oh it's Alfred yep who yeah. actually a little bit of trivia he actually came out of retirement to play this role he was oh. he was done with acting like he was he was nixed on he was like I'm done and Burton was like can you come out for this role he's like yeah okay why not <laughs> I actually thought it was Filch I did oh I haven't oh. seen ah uh, I can see that though yeah I, I thought it though. was I thought it was funny that Filch uh Mr. Dursley and Dumbledore were all in the same room and not at each other's throats. <laughs> right. <laughs> With um, Filch and his cat. Yeah. Oh. Not not a whole hell of a lot of other trivia. We already mentioned a lot of it. Um, but one of the things I found funny is Johnny Depp did all of his own stunts for the final scene where he was dragged by the horse. Um, he was wearing bulletproof clothing underneath so it wouldn't like he wouldn't get cut up. But, um, yeah, he was actually being dragged by the carriage and dragged by the horse and all that was actually Depp doing that. And um, the Western Woods was that was all on a soundstage that wasn't actually out in the woods. Oh, so I thought that was really cool because they wanted to be able to control the weather and lighting and all that. But when you look at it in the film there, you can't tell at all. Like it's it looks like a legit forest. It's really cool. See, I always yeah. assumed because it's a Tim Burton film that it was a soundstage. Like it was a set yeah. that they built. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Some There are some directors that they just have that look. And Tim Burton's one of them. So I can totally yeah. see where you're coming from on that. And it's like, yeah, a lot of his stuff is built on soundstages, which kind of gives it that 
that eerie like gothic feel yeah yeah but it's like it almost feels like it's not real even though it's tangible stuff that they made on a soundstage but it's i just love it i can't say enough good about this film i i I agree i find it interesting that uh johnny did use all stunt all of his stunts and as you were talking about it i was just like oh he's like tom cruise but better (laughs) <laughs> and not controversial anymore. Thank you. Well, and, yeah. And My dog stepped on a bee. Oh. And he doesn't. Have Michael a... Jackson. He he. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the memes. There's so many. My grandma memes. has a bad bee. Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh, Josh. You and Christina need to bring the kids to visit your mom. <laughs> so yeah. I can get to know Tegan as a young adult because you're amazing. <laughs> oh, um, my mom, she pitched this idea to me, idea to me in the car on the way home. She said that she was gonna dress up, that she had convinced Dad to dress up as Hopper from Stranger Things. Mom would be Joyce with a bundle of lights, mm-hmm. and I would be uh, Griffin. Would be the Demogorgon. Our dog, our new dog, Hank. He is a bloodhound, so he's very slobbery and wrinkly. He was going to be a demi-dog. <laughs> and, and I usually hate dresses and pink in general. But I, I'm willing to put on a dress, and a pink dress, and carry around Egos as Eleven. Because I have the short hair and everything. I love oh, it. That would be awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that would be so Halloween cool. this year. Halloween this year. We're, we <laughs> we're going to send pictures. <laughs> yes. That would be awesome. Oh man! Well, we should probably wrap this one up because I just noticed the time, and I'm like, "Ooh, I got to work tonight still." Oh, that's so. <laughs> two hours. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but yeah. So for anyone who is uh, who is listening that is not following us on social media, we're the Boogeyman's Closet on both Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Maurice handles our Twitter, but since he's not here, Susie, do you want to say what our Twitter is? It is at Boogeyman's the. Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a Patreon, which is now back up and running. Um, so it's $3 a month for all of our unedited content, as well as one exclusive episode every month. Um, and then, which we may be talking about Stranger Things on an upcoming exclusive episode. Um, Ooh. so you might want to check that out. But uh, anything I higher, I could try and drag Mom onto here. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we are also part of the Rad Pantheon. Uh, it's just a network of awesome people doing awesome stuff. We have a lot of other podcasters, artists, musicians. Uh, and this is all led by the leader of the Rad Pantheon, which is Josh. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Josh, if you want to give any plugs. Yeah, yeah. Like Mike said, uh, check out the Rad Pantheon or at Rad Pantheon, radpantheon.com for links to all of the other rad projects that are a part of our super team. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Comics Boost. Just spell that with an X in the middle, Comics Boost, where uh, I just like to spread the word about awesome comic book crowdfunding projects. A lot of really cool stuff on there. If you're a comic book fan and you want to check out some uh, you know, exclusive uh, independent underground type stuff. And you can also check us out at RaisedByRentals.com, at RaisedByRentals on the socials to check out the other podcast that Mike and I do, where we uh, improv stories about our favorite properties from the VHS era in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. You know, we just, uh, we imagine sequels or prequels or remakes or just totally redo something that was terrible. And if you're interested (laughs) in uh, listening to us, just come up with stories off the dome. Check it out at RaisedByRentals. I also just want to say... I listened to Raised by Rentals myself, mm-hmm. and it is awesome. 
I especially, I love your rental rants. Oh, well, thank you. So, Dad, um, I, <laughs> you know that show that you mentioned to me a few times where it was kind of like pirate fantasy, sort of? And they were trying to, like, get, like, these evil crystals so that the bad guys <laughs> can ah, like, do it. And, but then, yes! Yeah, but yes. then the <laughs> show got canceled for some reason. Yeah. Did you, you guys gotta do that one on Raised by Rentals <laughs> if you haven't already. It, it's actually on our list. <laughs> yeah, it's been on our list for a long time. <laughs> it's, we'll it's get there, but thank you. It's something, as soon as we, we came up with, like, we solidified what the show would actually be. One of the first things that we both were like, you know, what we need to do because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we both loved that cartoon back in the day. <laughs> but then, yeah, a bunch of other people also suggested that too, including yeah. my brother. But there's a whole bunch of people. But yeah, anyway, thanks, Susie. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I definitely, definitely like to hear the feedback. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope other people want to come and check it out also. But I'll toss it back to you, Mike. Already well. So for anyone who likes to uh, watch our next movie before listening, uh, episode 147 is going to be Prometheus from I believe it was 2012 that that came out. Um, the weird prequel to the Aliens movies that's not quite a prequel. I, I don't know how it fits together. And it might <laughs> become a house divided. It may. A, not a house a closet divided. <laughs> a we're cabinet gonna put, divided. We're going to put one of yes. those big old shoe dividers in the middle of the closet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Prometheus is up next. So check that out. And we will see you next time. So as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. 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 See you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. <laughs>